The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Good evening to everyone listening to this. Um, from This is from the BSV and it's the uh, Monday night evening meditation uh, session. And um, this is Ajahn Nisarano. Uh, um, last week I gave the guided meditation and uh, this week I will be doing it again. And as usual, we'll have uh, an introduction uh, and then the guided meditation and the opportunity for some online questions as we're, this is just being live streamed. So for those who don't know me, my name, as I mentioned, is Ajahn Nisarano, and I have been a Buddhist monk, fully ordained Buddhist monk, for 22 years. And I ordained with Ajahn Brahm in Western Australia. Um, but for the last 14 years, I have been living in Sri Lanka mostly. This year, of course, due to COVID-19, <laughs> living in Melbourne, living in Australia. Uh, living in Sri Lanka for 14 years, and eight years of those I spent in a cave. So this evening, I'd like to, I always like to have a theme for the meditation, and I think it's very useful because uh, I focus on um, positive emotions that we can develop for the, in the med for the meditation and for our lives, really. And this is a part of the Buddhist practice where, particularly in right effort, we avoid uh, or let go of negative emotions, mind states, and we develop and maintain positive uh, emotions or mind states. So this is very much part of the practice, and it's very useful in our daily lives. And I have been focusing um, on the four, we call them uh, the Brahma-viharas, and they're often called the divine abidings or heavenly abidings, um, and I like uh, Ayakima's um, uh, name for it, the four supreme emotions, she used to say. And the emotion that I was going to focus on this evening is really upeka, um, and the feeling of acceptance, unconditional acceptance, that everything that we experience in the present moment belongs. It belongs. It's part of this present moment. So that will be the focus for the theme for this meditation, um, will be acceptance. And acceptance um, is important for all the Brahma-viharas, all the four supreme emotions, that we develop a feeling for them. And the feeling, as I mentioned, of equanimity, for me, is acceptance, the acceptance of the situation as it is now. And because it's a, and it's an unconditional acceptance. In many ways, what else can you do? <laughs> the present moment has arrived uh, and uh, one can fight with it or one can accept it as it is and then in, in the future, you know, we can change, things can change. It's not setting things in concrete. So what is this feeling of acceptance? Uh, it's a, for me, it's a feeling of allowing, a feeling of making peace with whatever uh, I'm experiencing. 
And that's quite a nice way of thinking. And it's a feeling of balance too, uh, equanimity in our lives. And a feeling of let, in essence, it's a feeling of letting things be. And uh, in a sense, it has, it's a feeling of respect for what the present moment as it is. And of course, it's not what it isn't, is not controlling, not trying to control things. And this is, of course, very um, damaging or negative for the meditation. We try to control the meditation. And, but it's not indifference. Sometimes when people think of acceptance, they think it's something a bit cold or clinical or um, uh, hasn't got a warmth to it. But of course, all these four supreme emotions, they have this underpinning, this quality of loving kindness or friendliness, we call it metta, in, in them, all of them, whether it be um, loving-kindness, whether it be compassion, whether it be appreciative joy or equanimity. And also it's got the sense of uh, patience in it too because equ equanimity or acceptance has got a, a sense of patience um, and of forgiveness and a, and a certain quality of compassion as well in it because equanimity is always based on wisdom and, as I say, wisdom um, and equanimity are almost a pair. A person who is wise uh, is usually compassionate, actually. They come together. And, uh, and uh, so this equanimity, as I say, comes from understanding things. And there was a nice... Uh, um, it won't work so well on <laughs> audio stream. It's more of a visual thing. A nice uh, analogy for acceptance is uh, or acceptance or letting be is like uh, if we have our hands and they're unclenched open they're facing up allowing and freeing whatever's on the palm to go and it's a relaxed way of letting be just letting things be and there's another this was a uh, analogy that somebody gave me and they said letting go was was like an unclenched hand facing down dropping something allowing something to fall but there's always a bit of fear and insecurity coming of course from a sense of self so you might like that uh, image of the hand open to upward turning um, letting be or accepting things allowing them to be. So as I mentioned, wisdom and understanding really underpin acceptance. This is where acceptance comes from. And it comes very much from the understanding that uh, we are the way we are, and everyone else for that matter, due to our past karma of body, speech, and particularly mind. And karma is another word I'd like to actually emphasize it for actions. And it's really, as most of you will know who are listening to this, the mind is really the, uh, as the Buddha called it, the forerunner of our experience. It's making the world appear the way it does to each of us. And that can be very different from person to person. So we always, I remember, it's always good to remember 
that we are all owners of our actions of body, speech and mind, heirs of our actions, born of our actions, and our actions are like relatives. Our actions are our shelter, shelter, and whatever actions we shall do, whether good or bad, they, we will be the heirs. And that's shaping uh, who we are, who we think we are. But of course there are other things, that causes and conditions that condition us, and that will be think, people like our parents, our teachers, our friends, uh, the religion or spiritual beliefs we have, the society we live in, the time we live in, really, and of course, media <laughs> that shapes uh, shapes uh, who we, how we see ourselves, and how we see society. But it's good, uh, and we recognise with this uh, the, the the condition nature of of people gives rise to this sort of equanimity, because we realise. They can't be, we can't be any different than we are at this present moment, given our conditioning from the past. And it's always good to recognize that. And that allows us to let go of some of our negative reactions to people, especially, especially when they're being difficult uh, or angry with us or criticizing us or blaming us. Those things particularly uh, press our buttons. And we can realize that all our conditioning will be slightly different. So we are different, although we have a lot in common. And in a sense, we are each a unique combination of factors. Um, and this gives rise, or hopefully gives rise, to the understanding that there's no point in judging or, or comparing ourselves with others, or judging and comparing others. And it's an, I, there's a very nice quotation uh, that I like from Ajahn Chah um, that puts this very well. And it's called The Crooked Tree. And uh, he, he puts, as always, that even though it's in English, an English translation, he puts it very well. The essence of our practice is to watch intention and examine the mind. You must have wisdom. Don't discriminate. Don't get upset when others, with others, if they are different. Would you get upset at a small and crooked tree in the forest for not being tall and straight like some of the others? That would be silly. Don't judge other people. There are all varieties. No need to carry the burden of wishing to change them all. If you want to change anything, change your ignorance to wisdom. Isn't that lovely? That really, really puts it into perspective. Because this tree, this crooked, small crooked tree in the forest, is as it is due to conditions that it, the tree uh, experiences. Maybe it's crowded by other trees and... Uh, and damaged by winds and storms and maybe not enough uh, water or nutriment. So the conditions uh, allow it to be like that. And one of the things I notice living in a forest is that forests are full of uh, trees that are broken, that are dead, that, <laughs> that are stunted, that uh, all manner of things. And actual, in actual fact, that's part of the beauty of a forest. They're not 
uniform. The tree is not uniform in any sense. So not judging is a, a very important aspect of acceptance, isn't it? When we accept ourselves, when we accept others, we're not judging ourselves, we're not judging others, we're not comparing, and we're not rejecting. That's very important. Um, whether it be, as I say, as ourselves, others, situations, or sometimes even life. And I know a few years ago, quite a few years ago now, every, I had a retreat uh, in Sri Lanka. And during that retreat time, I think it was, it was while I was in the cave, um, living in the cave for eight years, I had this theme come up in the mind that everything belongs. It was lovely. And it, it really was a feeling that everything belongs, whether it's a pleasant or unpleasant, whether it's a, uh, the way I like it or not, uh, whether it's perfect or imperfect. Um, so this this was a, a, a one gave a wonderful sense of acceptance um, of this, of the present moment as it was, and not discriminating or judging, having no preferences as it were. And of course, with that state of mind, and this is what acceptance equanimity leads to is peace. You know, we're not fighting, we're not trying to reorganize the world the way we like, which is impossible. <laughs> we can try. And uh, another experience too that occurred, uh, not in the cave, but nearby, was one one time I was feeling a bit low uh, and, you know, the things weren't going well in the meditation and so I was judging myself. And I was um, in the on the edge of this forest and this wild chicken, they call them Walikukala in uh, Sri Lanka, flew down and just landed. And these Walikukala are beautiful. They're really they're golden feathers, orange feathers and black feathers and blue sort of feathers in the tail. It's very nice. But they're quite shy birds. And just the way it flew down, it was so, and landed, it was just so totally present and at ease and, and this sense of totally belonging and, and being at home with the here and now. Uh, and it ga gave me this sense that everything is integral, is an integral part of life, just as it is, you know, just in the moment. That chicken didn't need to justify its existence one bit. It wasn't self-conscious and it wasn't judging or comparing by any means. And what I learned, because somebody asked me this after I, I taught this meditation in Perth, what, what did you learn from this wild chicken? <laughs> and so I, I said to them, well, I said this in the, when I gave the meditation, but maybe it was clearer for them. It made me realize there was no need for me to judge myself, no need to be different from what I was at that moment, no need to be better, no need to compare myself uh, with others or with what I thought I should be. That's often uh, a lot of suffering for us, isn't it? And we have these ideas of how we should be. And there was no need to justify my existence, just as that chicken had no need to justify its existence. Just complete acceptance and the feeling was what a relief it was lovely 
And we often feel like we have to justify our existence, that we should be many different things. We should be, uh, in our society, we useful is very important, and that's often thought of in economic terms, so that uh, often we find old people not often not valued. Um, or, you know, we think we have to be special or stand out or unique or intelligent and clever or capable or talented in some uh, respect um, and be appreciated and admired, loved and respected. So they're all these things, the conditions that we're, we're expect, we're, we expect. And, uh, of course, uh, we don't need to live up to this. We are part of the present moment. And, and in truth, we are all unique parts of the present moment, just as we are. And that is our contribution to now, just like that chicken. Amazing. So we can accept ourselves as we are without any conditions. And one of the things that reminded me, and I'll probably finish this because we, we shall start the guided meditation soon, was um, a quotation from... Uh, a poem that's very famous. It was very famous in the 70s and 80s, I think, and the 60s probably, actually, Desiderata by Max Ehrman. And uh, I think many people know this poem. And uh, the way I knew it was because it was on my mother's toilet wall. <laughs> she had it in the toilet so you could contemplate. But what it, it's got some very wise things in it, things that uh, resonated with me. And in that it said, beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. So that's just part of that poem. So... It's a, a nice, it expresses that quite well, you know, that we are a part of this universe. And we are a contribution to it too. And in a sense, a unique contribution uh, as we are. And we don't have to do anything else at this present moment than just be who we are. And of course, I'd like to emphasize, because people will, will say, well, does that mean we settle for the status quo forever? No, it doesn't. But when we, for the present moment, what's arrived has arrived. And it's always good to acknowledge what's arrived, be uh, aware of it, and not be trying to reject it uh, or get involved with it from the meditation point of view. So this is something we can do. But of course, you know, in the future we can change the situation, change the way things, how, we, uh, how things happen. All right, so now we can start the uh, guided meditation just in a minute. And this is acceptance meditation or you know, coming from equanimity. So if you'd like to find uh, a seat, a comfortable seat for the meditation, and we can come into the present moment and uh, close the eyes just to get in contact with the body, we can leave behind the past and the future. And there's nothing that we need to do now, nowhere we need to be.
just here. Experiencing the body, just noticing how the body is to see if it is comfortable and alert, not uh, stiff, not rigid, relaxed, definitely relaxed. And see if it's balanced, if the head is balanced over the shoulders. Sometimes people find it good to tuck in the chin a little. And the shoulders balanced over the hips, giving a nice sense of balance. The legs are comfortable and the hands can be um, on your thighs or on, in your lap, however you find it comfortable for your hands, for the meditation. The important thing, of course, is to have that sense of ease, but energy alertness in the body. So we can just check out how the body is now. and make those adjustments. And now we can uh, relax the body mentally. That's physically arranging the body, as it were. But mentally relaxing the body has quite an effect deep effect. We can start with the top of the head, the sides of the head and the back of the head and give this warm, relaxing, soothing attention to the top of the head, the back of the head and the sides of the head. Noticing what's there but giving it this warmth, this kindness this sort of uh, mental massage. And then moving the attention to the forehead and giving it this soothing, relaxing attention. And moving the attention down to the eyes, all around the eyes, and relaxing them, soothing them. They do a lot of work and sometimes feel very tired. And bringing to mind the cheeks of the face and around the the mouth and the chin and relaxing this area, soothing with this warm, relaxing attention. Now we can bring to mind the neck, move the attention down the neck, all around, soothing it, 
massaging it mentally. Now bringing to mind the right shoulder, starting at the neck and moving our attention slowly along the right shoulder, giving it a good massage, allowing any hardness, any stiffness, any pain to dissolve, to soften. Now we can bring to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the right arm, and we can move our attention slowly down the right arm, all around it, to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers of the right arm, soothing and relaxing with this warm, kind attention. And now bringing to mind the left shoulder and starting at the neck, we can move our attention along the left shoulder, soothing and relaxing. The left shoulder, focusing on any hard areas, any tight areas, relaxing them, soothing them, allowing them to dissolve. And now we can bring to mind the left arm, starting at the top of the left arm and moving our attention slowly down the left arm to include the elbow, wrist, hand and fingers of the left arm, soothing them, relaxing them, giving this warmth to the left arm.
and now bringing to mind the back, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention slowly down the back, soothing and relaxing, giving the back this mental massage. Particularly any areas that are sore or hard or feel um, tense. And bringing to mind the front of the body, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention slowly down to include the chest, the diaphragm area, the stomach and the abdomen, giving, in, giving uh, this soothing, kind, warm attention, especially to any areas that are sore or there's pressure or any pain. And now we can bring to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg and moving our attention slowly down the right leg, all around it, to include the knee, the ankle, foot and toes of the right leg. Soothing, relaxing and mentally massaging the right leg.
And now we can bring to mind the left leg. Starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention down the left leg, all around it, slowly taking in area after area, and including the knee, the ankle, and the left foot and toes, soothing and relaxing the left leg. Now bringing to mind the whole body, just sitting wherever you are sitting, however you are sitting. Noticing the whole body, the pressure of the body sitting. The sense of the body being relaxed, being soothed, being having been mentally massaged. And we can bring up an intention for the meditation. The intention to accept things as they are now. We can, that everything belongs in the present moment. Whether it's the way we like it or not. Whether it's uh, pleasant or unpleasant. And whether it's perfect or imperfect just allowing things to be as they are, bringing this intention up into the mind and seeing how that feels, what feeling comes with this. Everything belongs in the present moment. And we can bring this intention, this feeling that everything belongs in the present moment to what we're experiencing here in the present moment, whether it be the temperature of the air, sounds, feelings in the body, whatever it is, we can bring the sense of everything belongs. There's no need to rearrange things to improve on them, fix them up. No need to judge them.
And when we become aware of the breath, or when the breath comes to our attention, we can breathe in with this feeling, everything belongs. And to breathe out with this feeling, everything belongs. And if our minds drift off during the, while we're watching the breath, we can just remember, bring everything belongs.
as we're coming close to the end of the meditation, we can share this feeling of acceptance with everyone that's listening to this this evening. Share this feeling of acceptance, the peace with the present moment. And we can, and now we can expand that feeling of acceptance in ever-widening circles around ourselves, wherever we are, to include the whole earth and all realms of existence, to include all beings, whether they be animals, humans, insects, unseen beings, all types of beings, to see a feeling radiating this feeling of acceptance to them, for them, that they may have this sense of coming to peace with the present moment in their lives.
And now we can bring to mind an aspiration or an intention to develop more of this acceptance of ourselves, of, our other, of others and life, just as they are, just as we find them. And to anchor this feeling of everything belongs in the heart. And it's good to reflect at the end of every meditation, how do I feel now? How do I feel now? Was I able to accept things as they are in the present moment? Did I feel everything belongs? Did that feeling of acceptance that everything belongs change during the meditation? And also to reflect what caused the feelings I experienced to arise, what really brought them up. And even if one didn't get these feelings of acceptance that everything belongs, to look at why that was not why that uh, was not the case, and perhaps to find something that brings up these uh, feelings for oneself. And now we can slowly come out of the meditation and open our eyes and move the body to make it uh, more comfortable. So as usual, if there are questions, we will probably have some questions uh, if there are some, so this evening we usually have an uh, introduction and then the guided meditation of 45 minutes and then uh, any, any questions to uh, finish off for the evening. Thank you very much, Ajahn. Ah, thank you, Langdon, yes. For a wonderful guided meditation. All right, good, good. Not only leading us deep into that meditation but also answering the age-old question of why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> In its earlier form, why did the chicken cross the forest? Yeah. And we know now it happens yes. because it belonged there. Yeah. 
So for me, uh, the everything belongs was a very effective mantra actually good. through my meditation. Thank oh, you. good. I'm pleased to hear that. There are two questions. Uh, are there any tips to notice and recover from my negative views? So to notice and recover from my negative views. I found out about my depression and I was surprised to see how much distorted world views I accepted, so which I am struggling to self-correct. So the question really is how to notice and recover from these negative views of the world. Mm, so, uh, yes, I think uh, uh, it it always you know with uh, the Buddha's teaching and it's all is very much about the mind. And it's really seeing that, uh, as I mentioned during the meditation, our minds um, actually make the world the way we experience it. There is a real world out there, but it's different for every every person, you know, the way they react to it, the way they see it. And of course, you know, we have to look at uh, what we accept into our minds you know not everything that we accept in our minds is a health food for the mind and the way we can tell that is the effect very easily the effect it has on the mind if it leads to negative emotions if it leads to depression worry anxiety um, then maybe this is something we shouldn't encourage uh, we should be a bit uh, choosy about. And conversely too, we can see what things bring up positive states of mind that bring up uh, happiness, well-being. And of course, you know, for um, depression, you hear very often, and it's, it's very true, one of the best antidotes is gratitude. And just um, yesterday, I gave a talk on gratitude actually, and how amazing it can be for turning the mind around just to look at what's really going on in my life that's good. <laughs> and of course, in everybody's life, there's something good that's going on. And uh, so gratitude, you know, pointing the mind in, in the direction of that positive emotion, developing it, um, this is one of the things, we, you know, it's very important for us to see in our lives, and the Buddha emphasized it very much, that our lives are um, the character we develop, the experiences we have, come from repeating again and again thoughts, perceptions and feelings uh, over and over again. And when we do that, it's like we create this shortcut to them. You know, we talk about shortcuts on the... Uh, um, on the main page of the computer or tablet, whatever, and it goes very quickly to it, and it's this very this conditioning process. But we can recondition our minds, and this is what meditation is very much about: is reconditioning it, giving it more uh, positive, developing more positive emotions, developing more mindfulness, more awareness of what's going on uh, in our lives. So that, you know, as I often say, one of the things is if we can see things rather than be things. And this is what 
you know, mindfulness tends to give us that ability to stand back a little bit. Meditation does this. We can stand back and see, you know, this negative state of mind that has arisen, this um, negative emotion. And just that distance, that gap (laughs) is very helpful. It's a beginning. But also, you know, to choose what we... uh, what we allow into the mind and to to develop, recondition the mind in directions that we want to go, directions that lead to happiness, well-being for ourselves and for others. And of course, you know, it's not something manufactured, it's something genuine, but it is this um, conditioning process developing it over and over again that will strengthen it so that it becomes our default position for the mind so this gratitude is very very useful and of course any form of giving is wonderful for um, uh, for depression for when we're feeling low (laughs) you know any form of gift we can give to others in one shape or another and of course you know the 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 biggest uh, um, positive emotion that that's very helpful in case of depression uh, is loving kindness, you know, this friendliness to ourselves that's uh, unconditional. That's a nice thing, thing with these uh, um, four supreme emotions, they're unconditional. There's no, um, there no conditions that apply. We accept ourselves unconditionally. We are friendly. We have loving kindness to ourselves unconditionally and to all other beings. And uh, that is really that really gets at the heart of a lot of negativity that goes towards ourselves. Being our own best friend is what I like actually quite a lot. If you have that feeling in it, we all know what a best friend is like. We have an idea, and when you when you think of that idea of a best friend, you get a feeling. You get these feelings, and then to give those feelings to yourself. And then you can radiate them. It's very nice to share all these positive emotions as I did towards the end of the meditation to radiate them around oneself and give this gift of, in that case, you know, meta-friendliness, being one's, being a best friend to all other beings. Or the sense of unconditional acceptance this evening which that everything belongs. It's a very nice, uh, it really brings peace to the mind. So I hope uh, those few uh, words, you know, help with with that. And of course, you know, it's very, very, I think you're on the path actually because you're looking at the views that um, um, are affecting your mind and seeing how many of them you've accepted without really looking at them. And that's the nature of a lot of our views. And it's a very important part of um, wisdom, actually, to investigate, you know. Is this really true? <laughs> it, it's surprising sometimes, you know. And you think, well, where did this come from? And uh, then you think, well, you know, you, maybe you heard it on the media or friends said it or, or parents said it or something like that or you heard it when you were very young. But it's amazing how many things that influence our lives, we very strongly, 
we haven't really investigated. And when we do investigate, if we ask, well, is this really true? We find uh, that it isn't the case. We haven't got any any proof for it to be the case. And often we can find that when we believe this view or this thought, that it has really strong effects on our mind, you know, a negative effects perhaps, a negative effects on the body, um, and that without this view, life would be quite okay. <laughs> so I think it's very good that you're investigating. That's a very good way to uh, uh, to free yourself, free yourself to investigate these things and to use that uh, gold standard, as they call it, you know, that is this leading to uh, happiness and well-being for me? Is it leading to positive states of mind or not? And those that are not leading to positive states of mind, that are leading to the negative, then we can see that they're not for our benefit. And that's one of the conditions the Buddha said for actually being able to let go of things, is when we see that they're not benefiting us, they're actually harming us, or, he said, harming other people, other beings. So that enables us to let go. So very good. I think you're going in the right direction to, you know, to uh, investigate these views that have such an effect on all our lives. So thank you very much for that question. I hope that sort of answers what you uh, were um, asking. Thanks, Langdon. Thank you, Ajahn. And the last question. When identifying objects and thoughts in the present moment, mm. all of them come from our past learnings. Mm. Does that mean we are not in the present moment at that point? Oh, that's, a, yes, that's true. That all the labels come from the past. That's a very good question. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about something like that earlier, actually, because, uh, um, yes, it's true. You know, when we, uh, uh, if once we try to identify things, you know, particularly with words or thoughts, and thoughts are just, you know, like uh, words, sentence, words, and uh, labels, aren't they? They are. They're all coming from the past. And uh, I was uh, reflecting on uh, the fact that when we don't label things, we can just be. When we can just be in the present moment, it's a very, very different e experience. And uh, I was remembering uh, an occasion when I was living in that cave in Sri Lanka and uh, going for a walk in the, the forest. And I'd been, you know, I'd walked through that forest many, many times. And But this time there was a lot of mindfulness and uh, it was quite a different experience for me because uh, there was a sense of the mindfulness when we we're very mindful we're just here in the present moment. There weren't, there weren't labels or anything like that. And it was just walking in the forest and being, looking at things, being aware of things, being a part of everything that I was experiencing. And it was really being just a participant in it. And it was just this open mindfulness. And it was mindfulness without the labels, you know. And when we actually have we're free of labels. It's what uh, Krishnamurti called uh, freedom from the known. You know, when we use labels to describe things and everything, it's really beautiful. <laughs> it's really nice. And things actually take on a, 
uh, a very uh, magical quality, wonderful. A sense of wonder actually comes into the experience because this, uh, when we label everything, describe everything as we normally do, it really um, takes us out of the present moment. We're not there. We're comparing and we're judging and thinking this is beautiful, this is not beautiful, I like this, I don't like this, all that sort of stuff. When we are just in the present moment, it can be quite, as I say, quite magical. I remember on that occasion walking and I had this feeling that I'd, it was like a, a new place, you know, and uh, also almost that I didn't quite know where I was, you know, but I did come back to the cave, did come back to uh, where I was staying, this hut that's under the cave, um, in the cave. So... This certainly, uh, all those words, descriptions are from the past. And mindfulness, when it's really strong, can have this just be present without the labels. And what you notice too, you can notice, is when the mindfulness are very strong, there's a tendency to um, absorb into things, you know, to see things very in uh, great detail. And that things can become very, very beautiful. Uh, and this is not an indication that actually all nature is, is is getting more beautiful and beautiful. It's really an indication that the mind is, actually. And this, of course, is an indicator that there's a bit more stillness in the mind. The mind is coming together, what we call samadhi. And so you can always... Um, if you notice that, you can really pay attention to things. You really can focus on smaller and smaller areas and they're very beautiful. It's a very good indicator that the mindfulness is very strong and it's going towards one-pointedness. And uh, I often look out for it, you know, I think, oh, oh, <laughs> when I notice it. And you can notice it not only in the meditation, but in daily life, because whatever states of mind we develop in the meditation, they do um, come through into our daily life. They do recondition the mind, actually. They do affect the mind. And of course, you know, it's, a, it's not only a once-off sort of thing that has that effect, it's this repetition that does have that effect and seeing the value in it. And of course, the more we can see the enjoyable side, the value in it, the uh, the beauty in it, the more we will do it, the more we'll be drawn to it. And that, that conditioning will get stronger and stronger. So this is something that, uh, um, you know, is very, uh, very, very, attractive in the meditation so yes you know definitely the um, all the concepts uh, all the uh, labels descriptions they're coming from the past but uh, when the mindfulness is very strong uh, we can let go of those labels and in fact it, it reminds me of uh, one teacher, an American teacher, Byron Katie, and I saw a nice uh, video where she was talking about her morning walk meditation. And it was just that. Morning walk was, you know, just to be uh, let go of all the labels, the <laughs> descriptions, you know, the liking, the, the disliking, thinking this tree is beautiful, that tree isn't, and uh, and so on. You know, all the commentary just to walk 
just remind ourselves we can walk without the labels and descriptions. And it's very worthwhile to try that because it's quite a different experience from when we, you know, we have a walk and we're looking at the trees and think, oh, that's a, you know, that's a lemon gum or lemon-scented gum or so on on that bird. And when we're all labelling everything. And it's much, much more experiential and um, much more 3D uh, when we can just remember not to, to to let go of all those labels for the time. Yeah, it's all there. They can come back. Um, but, you know, for that time. And notice the difference is, is quite strong, actually. It's quite strong. And as I say, it gives us freedom <laughs> from the known. And when we get freedom from the known, we experience the now <laughs> uh, even more so and uh, the reality of the now. So... So I hope that was uh, useful for person who asked about the uh, the concepts and ideas from the past. Thank you very much for that. And I think uh, now we can uh, finish off for the evening and uh, I will pay respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and the Sangha. And uh, I'll do a chant because <laughs> now we're on audio and uh, then you can hear that, all right? So thank you for listening to this and I hope it was of benefit and that you have had a very good Queen's birthday holiday even though it's not her holiday, it's not her birthday. <laughs> All right. Supati Pano Bhagavato Sawaka Sango Sangang Namami.